Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one wholesome page of Talmud a day. Did I say wholesome? I'm totally kidding. This is Tractate Yevamos, and if you're reading or listening along with us, you know it's a doozy. So far, these last few weeks alone, we've discussed, drumroll please, unwarranted erections, crushed testicles, female sexual desire, adult circumcision, and other topics that are, as the kids say these days, NSFW, not safe for work. Hallelujah to that. The Talmud, being all too human, understands that sex is a major part of what makes us human because, well, it's how we make other humans. So a religious text should discuss it rather than avoid it or relegate it to the realm of some taboo topic best addressed euphemistically. So in today's pages, Yevamos 76 and 77, the rabbis riff directly on the root cause of all sex, namely arousal. Have a listen. Rather, Abias said that a different method is used. We passed before him colorful garments of a woman and thereby bring him to arousal so that he will experience an emission. Rava said, is that to say that everyone is like Barzillai the Giladite, traditionally known for his licentious character? Not all men are brought to excitement when they merely see such clothes. Rather, the Gemara rejects this proposal and states that it is clear as we initially answered that we follow the former procedure, even though not all men require it. So this guy, Barzillai the Giladite, what an unimprovable name, was so randy that the mere view of a sundress was enough for him to reach full sexual excitement. And the rabbis are wise enough to know that not all dudes are <laughs> equally as excitable. But the larger question they're asking is a valid one. The question of understanding arousal and making sure that we construct a public space that is healthy and welcoming and, as the kids also say these days, sex positive, but not one that leads to all of us becoming Barzillais, so licentious that literally anything can set us off, which we can all agree is not the best way of going through life. Sadly, the question is an urgent one for us these days and it's getting more and more and more pressing. I'm going to get personal here. I'm 45, which means that the story of my childhood is also the story of pornography growing more and more and more commonplace. When I was seven or eight, smut lived in magazines. And to buy them, you had to go to special stores that sold them. And maybe a few of us curious and adventurous boys would find them somewhere buried in our father's nightstands. But discoveries like that were really rare, and if they even ever happened, they didn't exactly leave a lasting mark. Then, when I was 10 or 11, VCRs became a thing, which meant that video stores became a thing, which meant that older brothers now sometimes came back home from a trip to the strip mall with a cassette, which said nothing on the cover, that contained what were still then called in a sweet, sweet touch of euphemism, blue movies. And then came high school and the internet. And before you knew it, smut was everywhere. With the click of a button, you could watch any sexual act you ever wanted to see. I told you I was going to be honest. So here we go again. At first, 
I just kind of understood porn to be a staple of my generation's cultural zeitgeist. I assumed we consumed it and talked about it like kids in the 60s talked about rock and roll or kids in the 70s talked about punk. It was never a really huge hobby of mine, mind you, but I assumed that only religious fanatics or stringent feminists or dour dodos seriously suggested that we ban porn or at least invest any personal or collective energy resisting it. I can't really tell you what changed my mind. There isn't one moment of recognition, one eureka that made me go from casual partaker in porn to deciding that I assiduously and absolutely wanted nothing to do with it. But once you start considering the subject seriously, the evidence is overwhelming. I'm not even talking about the sheer suffering of those in the porn industry, mainly women, but men as well, who are too frequently exploited. Earlier this year, for example, a federal judge denied a motion by Pornhub, one of the largest porn sites online, to dismiss a lawsuit brought by two sex trafficking victims, accusing the site, and I quote, of violating federal sex trafficking and child pornography laws by owning, operating, controlling, and profiting from websites that provide public video platforms to share and view illegal child pornography. Porn, even when perfectly legal, even when produced and consumed by consenting adults, has many more far-reaching implications. In 2014, for example, a research published in the prestigious journal Drama Psychiatry titled Brain Structure and Functional Connectivity Associated with Pornography Consumption, the Brain on Porn, found quite stark evidence that regular porn viewers showed significant decreases in activity in many areas of their brains. Porn then can demonstrably hijack your brain and change the way it works for the worse. Sure, these differences the researchers found, as they themselves admit, may very well be attributed to pre-existing characteristics, namely people predisposed to watching a lot of porn already have certain kinds of lesser functioning brains, which may explain why they choose to spend hours and hours and hours of their time watching porn. But a whole host of studies suggest that much more is afoot. In no apparent order, a decade of research on this subject has suggested, if not outright proved, that porn may have something to do with the following. Young people having distorted body images because they want to look like the people in porn and as a result develop a whole host of disorders. Young people having deeply unsatisfactory sex lives because when they finally become sexually active, they attempt to emulate the wholly unrealistic performances they'd seen in porn, mistaking them for the real thing. Young people avoiding sexual intercourse altogether as porn offers more accessible and easier alternatives to sexual gratification. The list goes on. Sadly, COVID-19 didn't exactly make things better. Pornhub, to return to that example, was already a wildly popular website before the pandemic with a whopping 115 million unique visits per day. And yet, over the last two years, it experienced increases of 38 to 61% in traffic. So what's the answer here? Like all questions worth pondering, this one too is complicated. Personally, I'm not comfortable saying ban all porn because I'm not comfortable banning any type of speech because free speech is a fundamental tenet, I believe, of America's unique greatness. But I want to take the rabbi's advice today seriously. I want to contemplate arousal as a sacred property. Sexual arousal shouldn't come fast and cheap and dirty. It should be sparked by real attraction to another real human being, body, sure, but also mind and soul. Arousal is holy work because it's the first step to creating new life. 
which is to say that even those of us who see sex as much more about pleasure and much less about procreation would still benefit immensely if they simply demanded more on the arousal front. If they said, hey, we're no Barzillais. We don't want just a quick bit of titillation. We want the real deal, the slower and more sumptuous and much sexier feeling you get when you're fully attracted to someone with all of your being. Porn flattens that sacred, sexy feeling, which is why I'm so happy to be off it. We don't get too many powerful emotions as humans. Keeping the ones we do pure and potent is the closest thing I know to holy work. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic and we will see you again soon. Thank you.